0: This is the Half-Post Love and Sex Podcast.
1: Each week we ask a single question. To find the answers, we speak with experts and listeners like you.
0: This podcast contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. I'm Noah Michelson. And I'm Karina Kalodney. This week's
1: question is: what happens when you pay to find intimacy in a room full of strangers? So, Karina, I think the reason that I was really interested in doing this podcast is because I've been thinking a lot about intimacy lately, especially in 2015. And, you know, the Internet, we work for an Internet company. Supposedly, it keeps us more connected than we ever have been. You can talk to friends in different continents, that kind of thing. But at the same time, I feel like it also makes us really disconnected. And, you know, I look for intimacy in a lot of different places and, and with things like Grindr or Tinder, things like that. I think the goal is supposedly to find intimacy with another person. And instead, when I if I have a hookup on Grindr, I don't find intimacy. I find more of like a mechanical act. I have sex, then it's done. A lot of times we don't even really talk to each other. We kind of like wipe off and then we leave. And so I think it's interesting that there is all of this technology to help us be more intimate, but we, we don't end up being more intimate.
0: Well, all of those sites and those mechanisms I feel like are more transactional, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're like, you know exactly what you're looking for. And so there isn't sort of any surprise. It's not like, oh, is this person single? Is this person interested in you know, pursuing something? Yep. At the end of the day, you're both there for very explicit reasons. And to your point, we have gotten more connected but we're also more disconnected than ever um, We don't have these sort of serendipitous whimsical moments in the park where you you know catch somebody's eyes sitting across the picnic bench because in reality everyone's eyes are cast down on their phones you know maybe finding the person sitting across the picnic bench on Tinder but not right. meeting them in real life right and,
1: and you know we've for this podcast we've gone to you went to a BDSM dun- dungeon we went to a sex party together we've looked at different places where people meet. But I think it's interesting now that we're going to look at at two different parties where people go to find intimacy, but it's not about sex.
0: Right. So when we first started hearing about these things, these jack-off clubs and these cuddle parties, which seem very different, but I think at their core, they're both about people searching for intimacy. And I didn't really understand it. They both seemed completely strange and like they'd just be packed with the weirdest cast of, you know, eclectic, strange human beings. Mm -hmm. But once we talked to some of the founders and sort of got a better idea of what it was they were trying to facilitate and and the people that they were seeing patronize their endeavors, it actually sort of does make sense to me. And I think it makes more and more sense when you consider all those things we just discussed in terms of the digital age and and how that's sort of pulling people apart.
1: Yeah. And I think their stories are actually really powerful. And they aren't stories that we hear a lot about. So um, I'm excited to get into it.
2: Yeah. Let's hear what they have to say. So Hi, my name is Marsha Baczynski, and I am the co-founder of Cuddle Party, uh, which is a non-sexual workshop and social event centered around touch and communication, and it's wonderful, and I'm delighted to be here.
1: (laughs) We found Marsha... Uh, Just by searching Google, I think you and I had both heard about cuddle parties before and we knew they existed somewhere, but we didn't know where or how. So we went to Google, our trusty web browser, and just typed in literally cuddle party and Marsha popped up.
2: Um, It got started in 2004 when my friend Reed Mahalko and I got together and we, um, he had been doing these massage networking events for his massage therapist friends where they would get together and trade massage and techniques and network and that kind of thing. And um, we were, like, inviting our friends to come, and they were really too intimidated because they weren't massage therapists. <laughs> and they were like, oh, that they're professionals. I could never do that. And so Reed was basically like, you know, we could, we could just cuddle. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, fancy massage techniques. Everybody knows how to cuddle. I know we'll have a cuddle party. And so uh, – we sort of put together what would that need to be, like what would people need to know to feel safe and to feel comfortable doing that with people that they maybe didn't know very well. And we kind of reverse engineered some of the stuff we were doing from the massage events. And um, and then Cuddle Party was born. And we thought it was just going to be this little workshop that we did occasionally in our living room. And we did one, and within six weeks we were international news. So these... Coddle parties
0: might have a simple enough origin story, but they have blown up in the news. They've become international news, which I think is interesting. It kind of reminds me of people that you saw walking around with those signs that say, like, free hugs. It's like we're all sort of desperate for for attention or intimacy or interaction. And maybe that's why it became such interesting news, because it seemed so strange. But it also seemed, like, completely understandable. Totally.
2: I think there's a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, New Yorkers were cuddling, and that was unusual. (laughs) Um, So people were like, what's that about? Uh, I think the other reason it was so mind-blowing to people was that, um, you know, Americans in general are quite touch-deprived. We're a very, very low-touch culture. And a lot of people were intuiting that some of the anxiety, some of the stress, some of the depression they were experiencing was related to lack of touch. Also, um, in our culture, we sort of make sex the centerpiece, and then we talk about sex a lot, but we don't talk about touch. And so a lot of people's touch needs get met through sex, whether or not that's what they're actually wanting. They may not be wanting the sex. They may be just wanting the intimacy and the closeness, the physical affection, the, the bonding, that kind of thing. And so we got a lot of emails early on from people who were like, oh my God, I've been dating... And I've been having sex with people. And I think what I've been looking for was actually just connection. And I think that was a lot of what people were responding to. So paint us a picture. What is a cuddle
0: party attendee like? How would you describe them?
2: There's a lot of different kinds of people who come to cuddle parties. Um, there's definitely some things that they have in common. They de- definitely tend to be a little bit more curious and open-minded about the world and, and what's available in it. Um We don't get a lot of super uptight people coming, (laughs) but uh, it's really pretty diverse and it's, and we have about a hundred facilitators certified around the world. And what I've noticed is that the people who come to cuddle parties are often a lot like the individual facilitators. So, you know, when I was in my twenties, I've been doing this for a while now, but when I was in my twenties, um, you know, I got a lot of younger people, the older facilitators tend to get older people, um, more single people than partnered, but we do get couples who come and they often learn some really amazing communication skills that they take back into their relationships and uh, conscientiousness around touch and not taking each other for granted, that kind of thing.
1: So do you, do you think you would go to a cuddle party?
0: I think it's different as a woman. I, mm. I don't, Not just to pull that card, but right. I think you sort of imagine that there would be sketchier people there are people with more you know more of an agenda than just cuddling and you Mm -hmm. could end up in an awkward position right but like i think with like my friends like if it was just a group of friends and i was like let's have a cuddle party and sort of did it organically like why not
1: I think I have my own issues with intimacy and this shows sort of making me confront them. But like for me, actually, the thought of going somewhere and getting a blowjob is way less scarier than going somewhere and having someone like tenderly hold me
0: with my clothes on. Let's take a step back and hone in on that for a second. Do you have any idea why that is? Because I think that that will blow most people's minds. I think
1: intimacy is a scary thing for a lot of us. And I think the fact that we it's, it's hard for us to connect and actually like show ourselves for who we are. It's, uh, I think sex is a lot easier.
0: It's funny. I have a friend who, you know, will hook up with anyone, and that's just her game, and she's empowered, and she likes it, and great, yeah. but she won't make out with people. Right. Like She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, You know, sex, any form of sex, but when it comes to making out, like, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. That's only for someone that you are really in a relationship with and care about. So it's funny how we all sort of have our own notions of what is intimacy and what isn't.
1: Yeah, and I think there's also the scary idea, too, that For some of it, it's like you get there and what if someone doesn't want you to cuddle them or or that kind of thing, too. So I'm I'm interested to hear about how the the protocol of of what happens if you have to ask people how that works.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's a whole new like on the playground thing where maybe like there's the one person who no one wants to eat lunch with. Like, is there like the one person that no one wants to cuddle train with? I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So a lot of people have that fear, right? It's like that, that sort of seventh grade dance feeling of like, what if I ask somebody to dance and they say no and it's embarrassing and all of that. Uh, One of the things we're really constantly emphasizing is that some people are there to practice saying no, so don't take no's personally. Um, People can say no for all kinds of reasons that have nothing to do with you. Um, We also emphasize that it's not necessarily a coupled activity. Like, there's often groups of two or three or four. So it's not about, like, oh, I have to single out with this one person, and if that person rejects me, then, like, I'm reliving seventh grade. Uh, you know, so it's really easy at a cuddle party to, you know, find a spot on the edge of the group and say, hey, can I hold your hand, or does somebody want a foot rub, or you know, can I put my head next to yours, or things like that, where it's not necessarily um, high stakes. Like you don't have to start with a thing that feels super scary if you don't want to. So a lot of times somebody will say, oh, can I hold your hand, and the counter response will be, oh, do you want to lay next to me and cuddle, and then you get to actually consider, oh, do I want to cuddle, or do I want to just hold this person's hand, and do what's right for you in that moment. There there are some gray areas, but it's surprising how infrequently people come across them especially these days. Like when we were first starting, it was a, it was a lot less clear, and now it's very clear to us as facilitators what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. Um, And I guess the one thing I should say is we're super sex positive when we're not going to shame anybody if they're, like, attracted or turned on or something like that. We just don't act on it. And that's a pretty clear boundary. It's just like, oh, yeah, you're having a feeling. You don't act on it. That's fine. You know, there's a gray area around kissing. And basically we say, you know, no making out. Nothing that escalates sexual activity. But if you're you're cuddling with somebody and you just feel really tender towards them, you know, as long as you ask and get a yes – You know, you can kiss them on the forehead. Um, We encourage a lot of very precise communication. So we tell people to ask too much. And we do that not because we think that's how it should be out there. Like, that's not how I think people should be doing dates. Like, asking every step of the way. Maybe for the first date, but that's not necessarily what we want to do. It's more that we have so little practice being precise about what we want. And we want to encourage people to learn to ask very precisely. And we also want to encourage people to really consider where their boundaries are moment to moment. And so we make things really explicit. So may I kiss your forehead? May I stroke your arm? Will you give me a shoulder rub? You know, that kind of thing.
0: I find this fascinating that sex is the only place where a lot of people experience touch or intimacy and and just kind of how mind-blowing that is. And I don't think that that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you think about when you're a kid and you're a little bit more free with all of these things and you're hugging your friends or holding hands with your friends on the playground or just, you know, playing sports or playing games that have you interacting with people. And then we just become so isolated.
1: It's true. Actually, my birthday was last week and someone came up to me and said, oh, can I hug you? Are you a hugger? And it was so interesting that like, that's even a question. You know, are you a hugger? And more, like you said, as we get older, as our society changes, we touch less and less. And I think that's really sad. So I feel like for that reason alone, like I kind of want to force myself if not to go to a cuddle party, at least to to sort of work on that aspect of my life.
0: Definitely. No, there are a lot of really interesting studies about babies that don't get touched. Yes. That go through, you know, their first six or seven months without having a lot of interaction or touch and just this sort of traumatizing effects that has on them for the rest of
1: their lives totally or even preemies you know when they they have people come in and who just like pet them and that helps them you know start to put on weight and all these things yeah it touches so important
0: so i feel like it can't just be important while we're you know developing and young it has to be intrinsically important throughout our lives and what does it mean that we're not getting it yeah You're listening to the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Coming up, you'll learn all about jack-off clubs. And yes, those are exactly what they sound like.
1: If you haven't had a chance to find HuffPost Love and Sex on iTunes, take a moment to subscribe, rate the show, and let us know what you think. You can also find us on Twitter using the handle at Podcast, or send us an email at loveandsexpodcast at huffingtonpost.com.
0: Thanks to everyone who has reached out so far with feedback and show ideas. Keep them coming.
1: On our next episode, we'll explore the ins and outs of anal sex. Don't miss it. Next up is Paul. He organizes Rain City Jacks. That's Seattle's premier jack-off club. Paul is one of our listeners, and he emailed us about his club and everything he's learned about other clubs around the country while writing a book about the topic.
0: So Noah, at this point, I feel like I know you really well, but simultaneously, I feel like nothing would surprise me. Right. So I have to ask, yeah. have you been to a jack-off club?
1: I have not been to a formal jack-off club, but I really like jacking off. And
0: Talk about what? It, what is an informal jack-off club? I feel like that's what you I need to elaborate like on.
1: I've, I've hung out with people people and we've like jerked off together, but it wasn't like I paid some at the door and there were like 80 guys just all going at it.
0: So it was like what a frat boy would call like a circle jerk.
1: Kind of more like that. Exactly. Okay. And I enjoyed that. There's something nice about like not having the pressure of having sex and knowing you you don't like have to perform or you don't have to clean out or like there's all these things that come with sex, especially gay sex that like I feel like is so much work. Sometimes like you just want to hang out and jerk off. So I'm ready for it.
0: I feel like I want that like on a cross stitch. Like sometimes you just want to hang out and jerk off. you yeah. know like just <laughs> like cross-stitch? A throw pillow. It. Exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, Paul, you've done a lot of research into jack-off clubs recently. And you mentioned in your email that there's some sort of historical tie with the emergence of HIV. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, I I really don't think you can talk about the Jackoff Club phenomenon without telling the story of HIV, because they do influence each other. Um, One thing I always tell the new members when they join is that uh, New York Jacks actually started in February of 1980, and there had been some activity before they uh, officially, in quotes, um, started. But that was more than a year before HIV emerged. So I like to let them know that this is about pleasure, not about fear, and that the word's safe sex, um, weren't really in the vernacular in 1980. So it wasn't about HIV to begin with, but it was a thing when HIV showed up, so it was kind of a a natural thing for people to latch onto when they were looking for something safer to do. And it kind of blew up even before people knew that mutual masturbation was pretty much safe as far as HIV was concerned.
0: Do you think that people who participate in jackoff clubs today are aware of the historical ties to HIV, or has it become divorced from that?
3: Oh, I, I think the assumption is uh, is the jackoff club started because of HIV that uh, guys wanted to have safer sex, and that's why they were doing this. Um, the assumption there also being that people will always prefer full on so-called full-on sex rather than quote just masturbation um that was never the the reason why it started in the first place but that's the assumption that hiv is why jack-off clubs exist and we like to let them know that's not true that actually jack-off clubs precede hiv but hiv did lead to lead to a worldwide explosion of jack-off clubs in 1982 83 84.
1: paul can you tell us some of the rules of the club What are some of the basic guidelines if someone wants to attend the party?
3: Well, the basic rules for all jack-off clubs is, um, well, it starts with no lips below the hips, uh, nothing goes inside anybody's anything, and it that's kind of the bottom line. Uh, most of the clubs also require nudity, so get naked and don't put anything inside anybody else. That's kind of the bottom line rule. Um, my club has a few more rules than that. Uh, they're basically about mutual respect, uh, asking before you grab somebody's dick, um, letting people know, giving a warning before you have an an orgasm, um, that kind of stuff. Just uh, kind of common sense, good manners.
1: Well, we like good manners. I mean, you should be using good manners when you jerk off with someone.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely not an etiquette book on this, but I think you should give someone a heads up and ask before you jerk off onto
3: them. Absolutely.
1: So Paul, can you also paint a picture for us of what the club is actually like? I bet some people think you guys are all hanging out in a basement or maybe a living room or a motel room. So what's the actual structure of the club looking like?
3: Oh yeah. It's basically a fight club. Uh, what happens here stays here. I've been to a lot of jack off clubs and the environments are always, um, the, the common element is openness. There's no place to hide and sneak off and just have sex with one other person. And that makes it really, uh, easy to observe the rules cause it's, it's hard to break them. Um, Our club meets in a kind of a big warehouse space uh, that's been kind of created as a social meeting space. Uh, We can hold up to 125 people, so it's it's large. There's areas with couches, chairs, beds, um, so people kind of spread out. They sit down, uh, they relax, they talk a little bit, and they're all naked, so they pretty much go right to the sex.
1: I was really interested in this one part of the website where you have a whole FAQ about different questions people have. And one of them is, if I enjoy jacking off with other guys, does that mean I'm gay? So I'm wondering, do you get a lot of guys who don't identify as gay? What's the makeup like of the guys who come to the JO Club?
3: Well, it's all based on self-identification, and I I think that's just the best way we can ask. Uh, So every couple of years, I will send out a survey, and it's just going to be, how do you identify? And we'll give a lot of options. And we consistently get uh, 12 to 15% of our members identify as straight. And I've met a lot of these guys um, in person. It's it's kind of funny. They're actually very skittish about coming out as straight. They don't want other guys to, they don't want to be treated any differently. And I, I, I've encountered that in gay choruses, too. Um, the straight guys don't want to be known as straight. Um, you can kind of tell a lot of the straight guys aren't interested in kissing another guy. Uh, they won't want to get more affectionate physically. Um, but there's they're definitely interested in dick, uh, and, and, and I, like to, I like to point out that a lot of porn, a lot of straight porn, um, in fact, all straight porn has a great big dick. And so uh, I think I heard a comedian once say, uh, I want to see a great big dick on the, on the screen. Um, because I think men just have a natural affinity for penis, and that if they see it, uh, that there is an interest there, um, even if it's just it triggers an association with their own penis. And at the Jacks, it's kind of a safe space for straight guys to experiment with being sexual with another guy, even if they're primarily interested in women, even if they're primarily interested in relationships with women. Um, So uh, really the whole experience has kind of shaken up my whole idea about orientation. Um, I used to be one of these guys that, oh, yeah, if you're interested in dick, then you're at least bi, so you're in in denial. But I kind of believe these guys. I think there is 10 to 15%. of of our membership anyway is really straight
1: another thing i think some people listening might be trying to wrap their head around is this idea of a bunch of people meeting up just to jerk off and nothing more no oral no anal and you also mentioned in an email to us that this is not masturbation and that you don't see this as just solo sex so talk a little bit about what this kind of group can offer someone why would someone want to do this as opposed to just finding someone to have sex with
3: well, I, I, well, well. A couple of things. First, uh, that definition of masturbation is my personal. Uh, that's just how I frame it. I, I think. Calling it a masturbation club, or um, even the, the term mutual masturbation is kind of a contradictory term. Um, the most accurate definition of masturbation for me is solo sex it's it 's the sex that I have with myself it 's the sexual relationship I have with myself i kind of I, I really kind of uh, go with uh, dr marty klein 's uh, reasoning about why we have sex, which is about feeling pleasure and connection feeling a sense of connection and that doesn't have to happen um, with quote unquote, unquote full-on sex. I think the spectrum of sex is a lot broader than that. And men, or men and women, or women, when you when you have sex that has no penetration in it, if you, you can call it outer course, it's possible to have just as intimate a contact, a connection with somebody or with yourself, um, without penetration. And so there's this idea that it's not really sex. And that actually serves us because a lot of people um, feel that it makes it okay for them to come to the club and play. Um, but in reality, I, I think people get as much out of uh, playing with their hands as they do as playing with each other's holes. So that, that's my experience anyway. And that's the feedback I get. Another
1: thing you said in, in your email to us is that jack-off clubs cut through quote, lots of different social biases around beauty, age, and sexual orientation. And I think some people have a hard time imagining walking into a situation like this and being attracted to everyone in the room and obviously being worried about what would happen if they weren't attracted to everyone in the room do you find that happens a lot? Or is there a kind of automatic built-in camaraderie that comes along with attending a party like this?
3: Uh, well, there is kind of a spontaneous community that shows up so that once a guy gets in there, there's always, he's super nervous about getting there. I, I, I personally don't understand that. But before I showed up, I was just super excited. I guess I was a little nervous, but people are really nervous about being, uh, being uh, recognized, um, about being humiliated because they're too fat or because their penis is small um, or because they're too old and we just keep reiterating to them nothing bad will happen just come and check it out see how you like it if you don't like it don't come back um and we say, and they might uh, actually say, "What if I? What if somebody who's old and ugly wants to play with me?" Then we say, "Then he doesn't have to play with you. Um, your dick belongs to you." We we tell all the guys, every penis belongs to the guy that it's attached to, and he's in charge of it. He gets to decide who touches it, or if anybody touches it other than himself. Um, And just what shows up is uh, older men do do show up. We have a membership uh, that ranges from 20 years old to 84. Um, We had a man with pretty severe osteoporosis not too long ago. And we've got these young guys who show up. uh, uh, Really, it's all the way across the spectrum. Um, It's kind of just a demographic slice of our area of Seattle. So it's predominantly white. uh, There's there's, uh, a lot of Asian guys and a few black guys. Um, It's just, it's kind of a mix. And it's not filtered by somebody's idea of who's pretty.
1: My last question is, how has this changed your life? if Rain City Jacks didn't exist, how would your life be different? Or how has your life been enriched by this?
3: Oh, golly, Um, oh, for me personally, um, it gave me an idea that I could lead something, that I could actually be the leader of a community because that showed up. I mean, I started because I wanted to have a jack-off club of my own and I ended up being kind of the father of this community. They call me Jack Daddy, um, and I seem to do it well, and now I'm a manager at my job. I think one actually relates to the other. Um, the other is um, I'm, I'm in a long-term relationship. Um, I, I'm married, and my husband and I have been together about 24 years, and we just had an open, we, we became an open relationship after 10 years of monogamy, and this was kind of the perfect way for me to play, um, to have a social Connection with people and a sexual connection with people, and in no way does it threaten my own relationship. Um, I'm not going to bring a disease home. Uh, I'm I'm unlikely to get emotionally entangled with somebody. It just it really fits for me um, as a guy with uh, who's socially monogamous but sexually open. Um, and uh, the other thing is, it's really just, like, like I was saying before, it's blown up my ideas about male sexuality and men in general. I, I have a much more compassionate sense of uh, what it means to grow older, um, to have a vibrant sexuality all the way through your life. Um, and just that men of all kinds, I feel connection to men. In general that I didn't have before. Before it was largely about, I'm horny, I want to connect with this, these guys, um, I want to have uh, lots of sexual playmates, um, but it, there's really now a connection. What I connected with through that sex is the community of men. Uh, I hope that makes sense and isn't too touchy-feely.
1: All right, Karina. It's that time. What are your thoughts? Are you going to be signing up for a cuddling party and or jack-off party?
0: Um, well, I don't think that I can sign up for a jack-off party in its current iteration.
1: Maybe there needs to be female jack-off parties. A
0: hundred percent. I personally will not be the person to lead the fight on okay. that. You know, I pick my battles. Yep. But if someone out there wants to do it, by, by all means. And... But are you going to go to it? Um. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, you know, I talk about sex a lot and, I, and I'm really comfortable with sex. So I right. think people just assume that I'd be down for anything in terms of sex. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess it depends on who you're comparing me to. But in some ways, I think I'm kind of a prude.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. <laughs> but what about um, a cuddle party?
0: Like I said, like I would organize my own cuddle party. Okay. Like my birthday is on August eighth, and right. like I was thinking about doing <sighs> a swing dance thing, but I think it might be more of a cuddle party. I love that idea. I mean,
1: you can put bean bags down and like. I mean, like a
0: really big. Yeah. How do you do it though? That, with a cuddle party, like do you just have mattresses laid out, or is I think it you can like do whatever
1: you want? I think you could have swings. Well, maybe you can't not mm. more like hammocks. You mm. know. You know?
0: Hammocks would be nice. Everyone
1: cuddles in a different way.
0: You're so right. I don't want to judge them. Yeah. I don't want to pigeonhole people. Are
1: you gonna invite me to this party?
0: I mean a hundred percent. See, but again,
1: right away inside of me something already is like when you said that, there was like a lightning bolt in my head where I was like, Do I wanna cuddle Karina?
0: What listeners don't know is he's spooning me right now.
1: <laughs> I'm not. But, and and I love you and you're one of my really good friends, but I feel like, I don't know if I want to cuddle you.
0: Yeah. But that, do you think that's also, okay. So then that raises another question is cuddling sort of that intimate. Does cuddling then become something like you're gay and you're super not attracted to me as we've unfortunately gone over before. Yeah. So do you think that weighs into it or do you just think it's like, well, we work together professionally and we're obviously friends outside of that, but it might just be a weird line.
1: But, like, I don't want to cuddle your boyfriend either, who I also consider a friend and I really like, you um, know?
0: Please take that back. He's incredibly attractive. And <laughs> anyone that doesn't want to cuddle him He's is beautiful, blind. beautiful. But I don't want
1: to cuddle him. And so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to – maybe you can go to the cuddle party route. I'll go the jack-off party route. Maybe we can have a jack-off party for your birthday too.
0: Right. But we've already discussed that, like, it would maybe have to – Maybe I would... can
1: just jack off for your birthday.
0: What <laughs> – are you just gonna come to my party? Yes. Let's have a sleeping dance party and Noah will just be jacking off.
1: Listen, put down get some hammocks, get some mattresses, get some bean bags, and also get like a tarp.
0: I mean, I'm just saying like the Lindy hop, the jack off. Yes. They're not totally out of the realm of possibilities. I can't wait
1: for your birthday.
0: I'm really excited. And happy birthday too. Everyone should know it was Noah's birthday. And as always, feel free to write us in if you wanna be his boyfriend because we are looking.
1: Karina's gonna get me married. One of these days.
0: It's true. Now that you can, congratulations. I might as well. Yeah. Hello. Exercise those rights. That's it for this episode of HuffPost Love and Sex.
1: Thanks to our producer and editor Caitlin Bakuki, our audio engineer Brad Shannon, and our production assistant Jorge Corona.
0: Please let us know what you think of the show. Especially if you have an idea for an episode, because as you've heard in this one, we are super open and ready to explore. You'll find us on Twitter with the handle at HuffPost Podcast.
1: Our email address is love and sex podcast at huffingtonpost.com. So shoot us a message.
0: And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. It helps other people discover our show and is basically a public service announcement.
1: And come on, people, click those gold stars. If we get more gold stars during this episode, HuffPost has promised to buy us our own jack-off club.
0: In our next show, we will get to the bottom of anal sex.
1: That was beautiful. I think I'm most excited about all the anal sex puns we're going to be having.
0: There are so many anal puns.
1: I'm going to start writing them down now.
0: I mean, on napkins, on post-it notes, on, you know, the back of a magazine, everywhere.